everybody. Welcome back to the bookshelf with Vessel of Honor Ministries. I'm Stephen McKay. I'm Dalton Claghorn. And we are going to discuss today, uh, you know, something that I feel is very much needed to be discussed. Dalton, we live in an age of skepticism where people do not know truth. They do not uh, understand truth. People in our churches uh, don't know how to answer skeptics. Mm. Um, we live in a world, our culture is a culture that questions everything, but yet the church does not have very many answers. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, one of the major things, the major premise of Christianity is God's existence. Yeah. And uh, if we cannot prove, you know, that God exists, everything around us crumbles. Yeah, and I, I find that I th the default often, you would kind of expect uh, with this push for everybody to go to college, you would almost expect for the default to be people moving into out of a camp that God exists into a camp of definitively saying that he doesn't exist but kind of what we see actually more often mm. is that education actually breeds this idea that well how do we know that you're right I kind of feel like everybody's a little right like we're not normally dealing with people that are, are coming out as blatant atheists we're dealing with people that want to diagnose all religions yeah. as being equal and partial to truth and so I think that what we're covering today is as much for the uh, definite naysayer as it is for the one that is kind of trying to just take a, a piece out of everybody's breadbasket. Right. I like what you said. You know, you think that when you, uh, the education system, universities and colleges uh, would give you a, a definite yes or definite no. You know, God does exist or God doesn't. But it just, I think they're, they've done a great job at, yeah. at muddying the waters. And, uh, you know, just making you confused enough to just say, well, I don't know. And I, I don't really want to know. And yeah. it's, uh, but we live in this age that um, uh, primarily majority of the young people you talk to, um, they, they live in that world of, yeah. of doubt. They really do. You know, you grow up in, in uh, a church, just say you're a church kid and you went to uh, a church your whole life. Then you go to university and professors begin to, you know, rip it apart and um, strip you of all faith and leave you kind of uh, in a, a hole, so to speak, of, you know, well, what is truth? You know, there's so many different worldviews and there are, actually are seven, diff seven different uh, forms of worldviews. And uh, what are those worldviews, Dalton? Well, uh, we got to kind of go down. When we talk about worldviews, there's different ways that you can form your belief about who God is and what his existence is, okay? And the seven of those are theism. It's number one. Atheism. Mm -hmm. Pantheism. Panentheism. Panentheism. Sorry, I'm not reading type. I'm reading Stephen's handwriting. Uh, <laughs> deism. Finite godism. Yeah. And polytheism. So it, it, you, you literally fit. All of you that are watching this fit into one of these camps. All the way across the world... Um, you know, there are, you find all of these belief systems. And, um, you know, whether you're in India, uh, you're definitely a polytheist. Um, Meaning, poly means many, multiple yeah. gods, many gods. Yeah, exactly. Uh, theism, there's only one God. Monotheism. Atheism, mm -hmm. right? Atheism, there is no God. Um, uh, and, and then, and, you know, all the rest of them. But you, you literally fit into one of these constructs of, of uh, thought to where God, you know, in your belief of God. Yeah. Also, uh, just to ahead. jump in real quick, one of, yeah. the, one of the reasons that, um, so like when, when you're talking about the parameters of Christianity, one of the kind of 
primary points that something is deemed heresy is if you deny the Trinity. One of the reasons that that is such a big deal to deny the Trinity is that that becomes, uh, in regards to Jesus, finite Godism, or mm. in regards to God, really. Mm -hmm. If you try to change the role of God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit and say that Jesus is a manifestation of God, or he's, he's an expression of God, and you don't actually definitively say that he himself is God, your view of who Jesus or God is or the Holy Spirit, depending on where you fall, falls prey to the same faults as finite Godism. Okay, okay. Because God has to be the God of the theistic belief in order for what we say about Christianity to be true. Right. So if you adopt a view of God that is outside of the Trinity, you then have the same problems that someone who just subscribes to finite Godism would have. So, so Dalton, you know, when you look at Christianity itself, and over the years, over the centuries of this nation, as you begin uh, to go back in history, you find a solid belief in the existence of God. And as we've already said, you know, you fast forward, and there's been a slow... Uh, dis uh, uh, what would you say, destruct or you know, coming apart of that idea that God actually exists. Yeah, deconstruction. A deconstruction, there you go, uh, that God actually exists. And if, you, if we cannot prove, um, uh, not just from the Bible, because you know, when you talk to skeptics or you talk to um, the unbeliever, uh, there, if you try to say, you know, if they come to you and say, you know, does God exist? Your God, does he exist? And, and you say, well... Yes, and they say, well, how can you prove that? And you say, well, the Bible says so. They're not going to have the same respect for the Bible as you do. We yeah. take the Bible as God's word and uh, you know, take it at face value in the beginning, the first, uh, first uh, verse of Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning right. God created. Right? Think about if, if somebody was on trial for murder. and Oh, this is good. You said, okay, Mr. McKay, where were you yes, Mr. the Tidemore. night that so-and-so that was shot and robbed? And you say, well, I was at home by myself in my apartment. watching TV. Yeah. And we said, well, how do you prove, how can we prove that you mm -hmm. were at home by yourself watching TV? And then you replied, because I said I was. You <laughs> there, need, and that's the same exact You need exactly. sources yeah. from outside of the testimony that's right. to vet the testimony. Exactly. Right? That's right. Otherwise, Nobody's going to believe you. No. There yeah. has to be sources outside of the testimony of truth that vet this is right. Exactly. Another example, if you, know, you want to try to articulate the existence of Santa Claus... It, it becomes very easily undermined that Santa Claus is real because there's so much more logical thought that says it's the parents buying the gifts. And, and so what we find when we make these claims is that we believe that there is so much evidence that the Bible is real that there is no other system that holds enough logic to disprove it. Absolutely. Because you obviously can't say, all right, God, you're real, just show up. No. So the, the idea then is between the different worldviews, who has enough logic undergirding their statements to make it this is the truth? And you know, Dalton, that leads me to, to the thought that we have um, removed the, the, the pathway or the use of reason. You know, God says, Let, let's come and reason together. Said that to Job. If we use reason and begin to look outside of the Word of God for proofs for His existence, Listen, folks, if we cannot prove that God exists outside of the Bible, then all Christianity crumbles. Yep. You know, it's just, it's like the same thing. You know, uh, we have so many different forms of belief in the yep. world. Yep. There's so many different ideas of what truth is. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, there's just so many different examples. I can go to Hinduism and Buddhism and, and uh, um, Islam. And every one of them say, 
here am I. Believe yeah. me. You know, I, I'm the truth. Yeah. I'm the truth. But there's got to be definitive, a definitive way that we can prove yeah. that the theistic God exists. Yeah. Or you, you, it's not even really that you have to prove it as much as it is that you have to be able to demonstrate that there is as much logic undergirding this worldview yes. as there is this one, if not more. Like, you, you have to have logic, a demonstration of logic undergirding what you believe, and then the Holy Spirit comes in. Yep. So if you just approached it with blind faith, and you came to someone who was of the atheistic persuasion, they would say, well, I don't believe that God exists for this and this and this reason. And if you don't have as many reasons to throw back at them for why you believe God does exist, your Shame system will us. never win. Your system will never win. They yeah. will never believe. Yeah. And so it's not that you can just prove that God exists. It's that you are demonstrating logically that if what you're saying is true, then these are the implications. Right, exactly. That's kind of the, the push. The push. So, I mean, I've sat on airplanes, trains, buses with people of, you know, countercultural beliefs, um, different religious beliefs, and, uh, you know, sitting there, and, you know, all, always, especially if you're on a long flight, there's a conversation that opens up, what do you do, you know, and you go down that pathway and initially, I used to say, well, I'm an evangelist, but I don't start with that any, anymore. Uh, you know, I, I opened up a lot softer because when you say that you're an I'm evangelist. I'm a bishop. <laughs> I'm a bishop. I'm a, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> uh, but when you, when you start with that, there's a wall that's being built. So as you're, as you're witnessing and you're trying to, you know, win uh, the, the mind of uh, an unbeliever, you know, start subtly, and I, I always begin with the nonprofit side, the softer side of what we do with the ministry and orphanages and that kind of thing. And then we base it. I always base it then, uh, you know, in a theistic framework. You know, we uh, we do all this out of faith in response to what the Word of God says, and then it opens up into a greater conversation. And uh, you know, there's another podcast. We've done podcasts on on uh, this topic of you know the four main uh, questions that everyone has, but you know, it's, and, and dig those up, but it's, you know, it's important that you begin your witness, you know, in a soft way so that you, you don't let people build walls. Mm. And, you know, as we begin to get into this, it's important for us to, um, you know, study, important for us to look at the Word of God. But how, and there's, as we begin to talk about this, there's four main arguments that we can pull out um, that we can use to prove the existence of God. And the first one of those arguments is the cosmological argument. Um, you know, this, this argument, it basically means that um, it demands an initial first cause. Dalton, this is something that you are uh, very well versed in. We've both studied this, but it's just, uh, it's something that really, when you look at everything, you look at this table. The table has, obviously it exists, you know, we touch it, feel it, we're using it. Uh, but it didn't just come to existence. It didn't just show up here. There had to have been a mind behind it to um, create it. Talk to us about that. So basically, in the cosmological sense, everything that exists, whether it be energy, uh, even whether it be time, there had to be a, a causation of certain things. There had to be a, a father. There had to be a cause. There had to be a springboard, a catalyst. And you can reduce the idea of the existence of everything back to a, a pretty small point. You sure can. But regardless of however far back you take this, there always is something that still required creation. So yeah. if, if you want to say that the existence of everything can be backtracked to the point of being just like a speck in, in, a, in an atmosphere of, of hot gas and chaotic energy, 
you you still have not explained the origin of the spec because things or the hot gas this idea that we operate in the confines of time but yet things always just were that's not those two can't go together right so like the christian can say well god just always was because he's a spiritual being that exists outside of time but this idea that the origins of all life came from something that just always was and then the way that we figure out what those origins were is operating in a system within time. You violated the premise of the initial part of your argument, right? Because you're saying, well, we, we can prove that this is the timeline through which this happened because the cause of it happened outside of time, even though it was matter. <laughs> so cosmologically, the only way to explain the existence of all things is you have to have one who is outside of time. You have to. Who is before the beginning. That's right. You have to have something before the beginning. Yeah, and uh, What is that? That... Uh that trinity of trinities, you know, when you begin to look at the very beginning of all things, yeah. um, you cannot have something uh, created that was created before time, you know. Uh, and I'm not talking about God here. When everything came into existence, um, three things came into existence at that moment. Think about this. There, the, the, the three things that came into existence were time, matter, and space. space. And if you, if you did not have these three things... Uh, that came into existence at the same time, then you, you uh, basically, if you had something that came, just say matter came into existence, um, but you did not have any time or a, a, a time frame of where to put it, you know, when would it exist? So at the very beginning, follow me, at the very beginning, we have this idea that um, uh, time, matter, and space came into existence all at the same moment. And it's a trinity of trinities. What are those? Time is... Do you remember? What? The Trinity of Trinities. So time is a past, present. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You got it? Past, yeah. present, and future. And future. Matter, matter is, is solid liquid gas. Yep. And, and then space is, is length. Width and height, right? Width and height. That's yes. right. So in the very beginning, when all things were created, there had to be these three things that came into existence yeah. at the exact same time. Yeah. Because if you had something, uh, when but you had no time, when, when would, would you, you put, put it? it? If you had... Ma if you had space right. and you had time but you had no matter what would you be well, putting exactly and if you had matter and time and you had no space where would you where put would it? you put it so yeah. it's just a, it's incredible when you think about this this whole uh, construct of the very beginning uh, there had to be as dalton said there had to be something before all of this yes. there had to be what what is the initial causation of all this and so if god does exist dalton he exists outside of time outside of matter yeah. Outside of space, he created all three of those yeah. things. When we, when we say, in the beginning, God, that phrasing of in the beginning was just him trying to explain to us when he was. Right. Because this idea of beginning is something that only exists in our minds because we live within the parameters of time. Yep, absolutely. There is no beginning for God. There, there's none. And, you know, this is something my boys are trying to wrap their minds around. Every, <laughs> every time I go home, uh, or not every time, but when I'm home... You know, Bentley would come to me uh, or Grant, and because they're of that reasoning age, they're starting to figure stuff out, and, and they're like, "But you know, how? When? When did God exist?" And I, I, I always tell them that if there was a beginning to God, then who began God? You know, so there's this idea that He He is eternal, the eternality of God. So that's the cosmological argument. Yep. Quickly, we're going to run through just a few others. Uh, the teleological argument is the second one, yes, which is the argument uh, uh, that is all things are incredibly designed. Yes, you know, this is not something yep. that is uh, just thrown together. Yeah, and so I, I think 
the teleological argument culturally is probably the most relevant right now because we have this kind of mainstream persuasion that everything sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everything that you read about is trying to make you feel sorry for yourself. Oh. So out of this is birthed this argument that you may have heard of called the mud puddle argument. And it's this idea that human beings represent the mud puddle and the shape of the hole that the mud puddle is in. The mud puddle sits in awes and wonders of how it was so wonderfully and beautifully designed for the mud puddle to fit within the hole. Well, all of us would know that the hole was created accidentally and that the mud puddle has flowed out to fit within the crevices. And yet, because he does not realize that, he, he looks at the shape of the cracks that he is in and, and calls it wonderful. And that's what the atheists try to say that our argument for the teleological argument is. They say, well, if everything is so fine-tuned, why do so many people have cancer? And if everything is so fine-tuned, then why is that's those another depleting? podcast in itself. And, and so teleologically, what the argument is, is and, and the reason I even say all of that, understanding what it takes to have life that actually exists. Understanding what it took mathematically and scientifically for there to be life, life, for there to be gravity, for there to be the sun placed here and the earth placed here and for these plants to grow and for this to produce CO2 and for this to breathe in oxygen and for the oxygen levels to be this and, and, and for all of these things to happen. To, to try to take the bad things and, and say that the existence of the bad things overrides the significance the, the and the improbability yep. of life yep. is ridiculous. There has to have been a fine tuner. There has to be. I, this is almost such an oversimplification that it's criminal. But if you took a box of Legos and just shook it up, you never would build anything. And if you look at what it takes to produce life within a cell, like to build a nucleus and cytoplasm and to have your cellular walls and then to extend the, these cells into a body that has a, a, a reasoning ability. Yeah, the intelligence, right? Cells that have the ability to think thoughts, take those thoughts, convey the information to the vocal cords, take air out of the lungs Just and take air, thought, and cord, mix them together and between me and Stephen like mix the air around so that he hears my thoughts to, to, to try to produce that with a cell and then to compare that to shaking up a box of Legos. It's such an oversimplification. Oh, it is. Absolutely. We look at, we look at all things and we think that, you know, uh, we've been sold this lie that, you know, everything was accidental and everything just came yeah. to be, as Dalton just said, take a box of Legos and shake it. Yeah, right. You're never going to ever, ever build anything. It's the same thing as that watch argument. You could take a, a watch apart, put it in a bag, shake it for a thousand years and it'll never assemble itself. Yeah. It's the same thing, uh, you know, the, the illustration of uh, putting, putting, um, uh, a thousand monkeys in a room uh, with typewriters, and over a million years, those monkeys would never ever produce Hamlet. They would never ever be able to create anything with with in, with you know reason and intelligence because they don't have that reasoning mind. We are so um, at fine tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. here's here's a few things. Think about this: if uh, oxygen in our atmosphere right now is twenty one percent, if it was twenty five percent. Fires would erupt, and if only 15%, we would all suffocate. If the gravitational force were altered by 1 to 10 to the 40th power, I mean, that's like a lot of zeros, the sun would not exist and the moon, the moon would crash into the earth. Guys, uh, you got to realize that there's so much going on that we don't see. You know, there's so much that we, you know, we ooh and awe at the design 
of a, you know, a massive skyscraper. And we're just, you know, the grand opening of some massive building. We say, man, this is incredible. But we don't look at our own hands and look at the, the absolute beauty of what's, what it took for us to be, you know, to, to exist. It's just unbelievable. You know, that's just one argument, the teleological argument. You know, this is not, all, none of this happened by just mere chance. All of this is a result of some intelligence yeah. outside of what time, space, and yeah. matter. There's intelligence here. You know, there's two other arguments that we can go through, the ontological and the moral, but we're running yeah. out of time. Um, just know that there are so many points of argument for us to use uh, to prove that, you know, God is that God exists, and in the, in the proof of God's existence, you know, it's kind of logical as it uh, goes down the path that um, this is the God of the theistic uh, worldview or, or framework. So um, don't lose hope if you, if you are, um, you know, confronted with somebody at work or someone at school, um, just someone in life that is so adamant mm. that, you know, God doesn't exist or that what you believe in is not true, uh, just dig these arguments up. Cosmological, teleological, ontological, and moral. Dig them up, and uh, you'll find the basis for um, reason, you know, to believe that God exists. So, And send them a link to the bookshelf. Yeah, send them a link to the bookshelf. Hope you guys are enjoying this. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's bookshelf. Until next week, God bless you. Mm -hmm.